When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota, who's a great Ram Nation partner, has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, and Loveland communities since 1968. They're a family-owned and operated business, and they're committed to making the car buying and service experience smooth and stress-free with a friendly and accommodating staff in all their departments. Inventory is still an issue in the car business today, but Peterson Toyota prioritizes their inventory for local customers, ensuring that you have the best selection around. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. Tweeter, I saw your post. How dare you knock the intro music, brother? Night by Night by Steely Dan. Man, it doesn't get much better than that. And no, Michael, it is not porn music. It is just some of the best songwriting around, best musicians around. Man, those guys were just incredible studio artists back in the 70s. And they still tour today. And I see them every time they come to town. Anyways, guys, uh, second podcast of our, of our week here. And uh, in a few moments, we're going to have CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker joining us for our monthly State of the Union for CSU Athletics. I'll have a few questions of my own, but we mostly wanted this episode to be about fan-submitted questions. So it'll be a good one. Lots of good questions submitted by all you guys on the message board, a couple guys from Twitter. So appreciate you guys taking the time. And actually, there's a lot of good thought in there. So I know we're going to try to get most of those answered for you. I will actually have to cut out early on this recording um, and let Mike finish the questions midway through. i got to pick up my wife from a routine doctor procedure this morning. This is actually recording this Thursday morning after the CSU basketball game last night. But uh, Mike is actually battling traffic as we speak right now, so hopefully he'll be hopping on here shortly. Not ideal when we all have conflicts interrupting our scheduled podcast calls, but you know we've got these monthly podcasts scheduled in advance with Joe, and his got a, he's got a busy schedule, so trying to reschedule things is going to be hard to, to work out. So we make it work, and uh, we're rolling with it today. Michael close us out in style. Just real quick, the basketball game last night was, man, tough loss. Super entertaining game, though. Third overtime game in a row. Unfortunately, as proud as we all were of the team for battling, you know, they just made too too many mistakes and let this one get away. I mean, I know we're a little bit undermanned, but that game was there for the taking. I mean, you had the lead so many times. With that lead, we went through these extended periods of sloppiness and turnovers. You know, there's this one point, I think we were up eight or nine, and then three of the next four possessions, Tavy committed a turnover. It was probably his toughest game of, of his freshman campaign here this year, and that's not unexpected going against a defensive team that just smothers you they take away the passing lanes cause a lot of issues those that 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 Aztec defense is is stifling um we committed 14 turnovers and I believe they said that led to 26 points so not good enough there while Nico praised the team's effort after the game you could tell he was not happy with the team's execution across the board 
he knows that this was an opportunity for a big win that that got away and it was balanced scoring from the team. He had five guys in double figures. Jalen Lake, I thought, had one of his best games of his career so far. Um, 17 points on 6 of 8 shooting, 5 of 7 from 3. But his defense was really, really good. Um, he's a, just a difference maker on defense. And then Isaiah Stevens, he couldn't match the magic that he had at UNLV several nights ago. He was 6 of 17 shooting, had a tough start, couldn't put much into the in the in the rim, but... He did will us back in the game towards the end of regulation there and hit some big shots. He kept driving to the rim, getting to the rim, and either making a basket, a tough lay-in, or a tough shot from close range, or drew a foul. And then uh, other times he would kick out for an open look. He's just so good at closing games. He just seems to have an extra gear at the end of games. There was that one play where Tanjay had a bad turnover, and it was, a, as Nika would call it, a pick six the other way. And... Both Tanjay and, and Isaiah were chasing him down, and Tanjay kind of let up because he didn't think he was going to get there without fouling. And then not Zay. Zay, Zay kept going and, and swatted the ball. I can't remember who it was that, that had the steal, but uh, right before he was getting ready to go up for a dunk, Steven swatted it out of his hands and uh, and just, just shows you the hustle. The guy never quits. I thought Isaiah Rivera played great. He had 14 points, played some really good defense, had five boards. Uh, he has a knack for getting a keyboard here when you need it sometimes. And, uh, you know, once again, at the near uh, at the, near the end of regulation, he had a huge board like he did against UNLV on an offensive rebound to give us, an, give us another life and kicked it out uh, for a three. That, that was big and a big moment in the game to keep us in it. Tanjay had 13 points, had some some missteps there a couple times, but uh, but hit some big shots for us in the game to keep us in that game. You know, by the way, Isaiah Stevens had 11 more assists last night, Wednesday night, adding to his total. He needs just one more to tie and two to break it. So, if you're interested in seeing him break Ryan Yoder's all-time assist record at CSU, you should head up to Laramie Saturday for the game. That's actually a game. You know, we'd love to go see CSU win. Wyoming is, is struggling a little bit this year, and, and that would make our 500 season feel a lot better going up there and getting a win on the road. But thanks to Steve Ivey for this nugget. Uh, Isaiah is real close to breaking a couple other records. The, the Mountain West single season record in conference games is 133. That is held by UNLV's Mark Dickel in uh, the 2000 season. Isaiah is tracking 131 assists at his current pace, so he's right there, real close. If he can pace ahead of, of schedule here, he could break that record. He's also the uh, career, he's already the career leader in Mountain West, uh, assists in Mountain West games. At his current pace, he's tracking to hit 617 assists in all games, and that would tie him with New Mexico's Kendall Williams. So we're watching one of the best to ever play for CSU folks, and he, he is just a thrill to watch. Is such a good guy too. So, man, would it be awesome for him to return for a fifth season next year as part of those COVID rules that grant all those players an extra year eligibility? So um, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what else he has left to prove here, but if he wants to come back and, and uh, for one more year of school and basketball, that would be welcome in my eyes. I thought the crowd was impressive last night considering the weather and the roads, considering the campus was closed during the day for uh, the weather. I unfortunately did not feel up for making the trek from Parker. That's a 
hour and a half drive without weather. Um, and as late as the tip-off time was, just wasn't up for it. But uh, there were 6,000 plus there. And uh, that was great to see. The students continue to be great. They continue to give that, to give Moby Arena life. So it uh, would have been nice for them to all witness a win there. But uh, that's about it for the San Diego State game. Just wanted to give you a quick update on the Ram Nation NAL efforts. I'm really super appreciative to all you guys, the 40 guys who have donated to make this possible uh, to bring on these student-athlete partners of ours. They've been really appreciative appreciative themselves as well. So, um, you know, we've got some money in the kitty that, that probably will last us here through the rest of basketball season and uh, have enough to bring on people like McKenna Hofshield, who is having just a ridiculous season right now, and uh, you know, would love to have bring her on or maybe a podcast or something, catch up with her, reward her for her time with uh, um, some NIL money, and and uh, you know, she deserves that. And um, you know, looking at maybe bringing a couple other guys from the basketball team as well over the next couple months. So it's nice to have options, thanks to the continued donations coming in each month. So appreciate all of you. All right, before we bring in Joe Parker, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. There is nothing wrong with a dry January, but everything is right with a pie January. Order the best pies you will ever taste from Ginger and Baker. Right now in their bakery, they've got double crust apple pie, they got cherry, lemon meringue, quadruple coconut cream, maple pecan, chocolate explosion silk pie, chocolate peanut butter pie, it's a vegan option, lemon blueberry streusel, Man, these are literally the best desserts I've ever had every time I go there. It's just ridiculous. you got to have a dessert. And, of course, they've got their two great restaurants, The Cash, a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine, good whiskey, and The Cafe, which is a new take on farm-to-table American comfort food classics. Ginger Maker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, market, and teaching kitchen. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham. Treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, pleased to welcome in Joe Parker, our heralded athletic director at CSU. Joe, really exciting game last night. Unfortunately, uh, just didn't make enough plays. But, uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to see that there were 6,000 plus because with the snowstorm, you know, I thought that that could really hamper the crowd more than that. I know that people like me driving up from Denver, driving up from Parker, when it's an hour and a half drive just one way you know with the snow and everything else that adds a lot on to it so that that hampered probably some denver folks but still looked like a lively crowd it was really loud in there it seemed on for at least from tv and it was a good game it was really fun to watch another overtime game back to back to back overtime games so just uh just want to get your quick thoughts on the game and then also wanted to ask you you know with the fact that they had closed campus what kind of challenges does that Pose to you guys and, and your your game day crew to put on that event. Yeah, it, it you know I mean first of all I I was at the game you know as you would expect and and the crowd was awesome. I mean our our uh, you know entire crowd was and certainly acknowledged that weather probably kept uh, you know at least another thousand people away. I would guess possibly you know it's just an estimate on my part, but students were remarkable. Um, you know they get back after break. Uh, you know, it was a snow day for them, so they're probably looking all day f- for something to do, and they decided to come out to Moby Arena, and uh, you know they filled both both of the main sections behind the goals, and then you know we've got sort of that reserve section over on the 
the southeast side of the arena and it was top to bottom there as well and it was a white out so it was a i think an impressive image um certainly on tv and they were you know i i think our you know the basketball IT, iq of our student crowd our, our entire crowd is pretty high so they they were in it at the appropriate moments and made a true difference and that's what you hope for you know that you know we go to san diego and play in viejas you know, the, the show is going to bring it. And I think our students are learning that they have a lot of influence on what's happening on the court. If they're, if they're loud and, and supportive of the program. And they certainly were um, in the game itself, you know, post game in the locker room, you know, Nico, Nico was really supportive of, of their effort, um, you know, and just, and just pointed out at times they were short of execution and, and uh, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're probably a little more than midway through the season. And, and, you know, I think we're, you know, refining our identity on the intensity that's necessary for us to play. Um, you know, I don't think we're ever going to be the most talented court or team on the court, but, but, you know, intensity. And, and I think the level of coaching that Nico and his staff provide are, are what kind of levels it out for us and gives us a chance every game. Yep. And then, uh, everything go off without a hitch as far as putting on that game with the rest of the campus. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I got going and forgot your follow-up. Um, you know, it, it, snow days are interesting for us. You know, there's a, there's a usually a very early and in the case of yesterday, it was a 4:45 AM call campus wide. And, you know, there's, um, assessments made about road conditions and, and what the weather's going to continue to bring. And, and I think for the university, a lot of uh, decisions were made by by other organizations um, here in Northern Colorado. You know, primarily the the public school district, and and then I think UNC had made a decision for closure. CU did as well. Uh, so it was, I think yesterday was a bit of a coin toss, and and because of the momentum that was started by others, you know, the university elected to close. And um, you know, our our staff, you know, in the case of snow, we're we're really reliant on university facilities and. And so with the closure of campus, they prioritized Moby and Moby lot and did a really great job of getting the snow removed and cleared off early so that, you know, whatever warmth and, and sun that got through could really do its work. And the same for all the, you know, the sidewalk aprons that lead up to Moby. So I got to give, you know, huge kudos to the university facility staff. They made it possible for us to host a game. And in our case, regardless of a, a closure of campus, you know, we, we, uh, you know, if there's a competition and two teams are are here and there's officials to, to you know, manage the game, we're going to go um, without a doubt. You know, even if we're short staffed at the scores table, we'll find people to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, in the case of yesterday, there was no issues with the game management side of it. So uh, we got the game in and. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's a lot of people tuned in on television and, and um, you know, it did make for a late night to go into overtime. So you probably made a good choice in not, <laughs> not making the drive. Would have been a rough one this morning getting on with you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, but, when I put my head on the pillow, the first thing I thought is I got to make sure I get up and get to campus so that I can do uh, do the, the podcast with you guys. Speaking of TV, have you... Have you, or what's the general consensus been of our TV partners? We've touched on this a little bit in the past, but I thought FS1 was actually good last night. It was great to see the commentators were actually in the building. They actually started the game, I think, on time uh, without having to to cut way late into the, you know, a, a game before running late. Um, CBS the other night at the UNLV 
uh, UNLV was just awful. They didn't cut into like one minute and 23 seconds left in the first half or something like that. It was just awful. You know, and FS1 hasn't had announcers in arenas for a lot of the year too. So I just think that kind of stuff is a little Mickey Mouse. I'm just curious to see if there's any rumblings amongst athletic directors in our league that are just not super pleased with that. Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, Joel. I mean, we, we can kick and scream and fall on the ground and pound our hands and feet, but you know, I mean, what are our alternatives? Tell me what the options are that are viable beyond what we have right now with two partners with CBS and, and, and Fox, you know, so, you know, I, I, you know, they're like everyone else. They're trying to gain efficiencies. They're trying to find their way forward in the marketplace. It's hyper competitive for them as well. You know, they're trying to get compelling programming in place and, and, you know, there's a pecking order, right. You know, and, and it's all driven by eyeballs and, you know, if we want more, we got to do more. And that's for every one of us. And every time I say that to, to, to Ram Nation, you know, there's a backlash. Oh, he doesn't know whatever, you know, but but honestly, I mean, it, it you know, we've got to we've got to continue to, to, you know, deliver. That is the department and, and the schools within the Mountain West. We've got to put great teams forward to play uh, each other and and build compelling matchups and and have our fan bases respond and in turn you know, have TV partners react to the response of those fan bases. So, you know, we, we have to get better and we have to demand more of them too, at the same time, because, you know, they, you know, if they, if they want to partner with us to build, you know, our brands, you know, we need, we need good consistent, you know, efforts on their part too. But, but, you know, like I said, at the start of the comment, you know, it, there's a pecking order. So, you know, they're going to devote resources to places where, where they know they're going to get a delivery of of uh, of you know fan bases which can satisfy their advertisers which can which can drive their revenues so yeah pretty simple economics. My thought was just you know is is our conference putting any pressure on them at all to to say hey look we're, we we've got one of the best conferences in the country right now get get your get your yeah in our buildings yeah you know we have those conversations and and those the that dialogue gets advanced i, I will tell you I, I think fox does you know they 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 are working hard to be responsive they're trying to help us you know advance you know the brands of our institutions and and uh you know probably would love to see more from cbs and and you know at times they've they've been you know uh you know really good at delivery too but but, you know, in every case, you know, we can all do better. So speaking of how good the conference has been, the net rankings of our league right now are unbelievable. We have five teams in the top 40, which is it's got to be a first. Um, what's obviously winning is is a big factor there. Did a, the league did a good job across the, the board in non-conference. Uh, you've got the bottom of the league that has really risen. Uh, we've got what three more you get the, the five in the top 40 you've got three more in the top 125 and nobody worse than 210 so uh, we're the fifth best league in the country everyone's talking about that over every telecast i see head of the acc pac-12 american west coast so that's awesome but have we figured out kind of a way to to maximize how we look to the net i mean is there some formula we're following right now or are we just kind of winning ball games uh, I, I, you know, I think there's been some intentionality around it. You know, when I entered the league, um, almost eight years ago, you know, there's a lot of dialogue about how we schedule and, and, you know, what we do, especially within the non-conference. And I think, uh, coaches and programs and ADs listen to that and presidents did too. So we, 
you know, and, you know, it, and it was led by the conference staff and they have resources that, that uh, in every one of our meetings, when we gather together, you know, in person, especially Kevin Ponga is um, a fellow that's, um, you know, really involved in, in, in scheduling across, you know, the, all, all of college sports, um, primarily focused on men's basketball and, and football. Uh, but Kevin is, is actually a, a senior administrator at Michigan State University and he has a side gig where he's got a consulting business and he's he's a a math uh, statistician guru and he cranks out a lot of scenarios and has really I think helped us understand um, you know what the best approach is and and you know with the, when it comes to our campus Steve Cottingham has a, a ton of experience in in the basketball framework, you know, having been the AD at, at uh, Marquette, which, you know, that was their their real focus was their basketball program. And, uh, you know, Nico's got a feel for what he wants to accomplish and and never never shies away from the ability to put his team in front of, you know, great competition. And, and I think that's just the attitude across the conference right now that, as rosters have improved, you know, it's, it's time to challenge ourselves with who we play. Um, you know, and, and there's still conversations about us going to a 20 games conference schedule. You know, we, we haven't been able to get that across the, the finish line, but, but uh, you know, that's always kind of a constant conversation. And, and the real, the real hesitation of that was, you know, the bottom third of the conference was not teams that were going to help us, you know, typically and, and, uh, you know, RPI and that, and, and now, you know, there's been so much improvement across the board that, that, uh, you know, I, I think it's worth another, a go at it because, you know, I, I think it, it, it could be favorable, especially the schools that, that play at altitude. It's hard for us sometimes to drive non-conference opponents um, to, to go into deals that are going to put them here in Moby arena. All right. So, you know, as we've discussed in the past, the league has kind of risen across the board. I know we need to start winning some NCAA tournament games. Has, has the league discussed any, I don't know what you can do, but is, have we discussed any changes in the way that our teams could be better prepared for the NCAA tournament? I know one of the things we talked about in the past was, you know, do we talk to our officiating, uh, the league, head of officials and say, do we officiate our games a little bit differently to match what we might see in the tournament, those kind of things, or is there just basically nothing you could do? We just got to play better. Um, I probably the latter, um, you know, there, there's been, you know, some cursory discussions about, you know, prep, but honestly, the, the, the focus is always just, you know, getting through the season, doing, doing our best in conference play, um, you know, trying to rack up as many non-conference wins as we possibly can and, and, and then getting in a position to simply make the tournament. I think that's the attitude of, of most of the schools and the conferences, you know, let's get over that threshold, you know, maybe when we consistently have, you know, two, three, four, you know, and even five teams in, you know, the, the dialogue will shift to trying to win games in league, but, you know, not, not, you know, it's not anything that's dismissed, obviously, you know, the further a team advance, you know, the more, more credits that are earned, more shares that are earned, and that's to the benefit of the entire conference. So, you know, there is, there is a dialogue around it, but, you know, as far as has that conversation translated into anything that we can do to improve play once we're in the NCAA tournament, you know, not so much of that. Now, every game you can look at and, and point out places where officials missed a call, um, you know, would have loved to have gotten an and one on, on Isaiah's uh, bucket at the end of regulation last night. 
is there a process to send tape to the league or the head officials uh, on on plays like that or or just plays throughout the game? Yeah, there 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 is. Uh, you know, the coaches can do during their film review. They can cut out you know particular plays that they have questions about or concerns or you know didn't feel like it was appropriately managed by the officials and advance that to uh, the league office and and have the head of officials review it and. And, uh, you know, it's good instructional opportunities for for crews, um, you know, and I, and I think they use it as constructive opportunities. You know, sometimes we get feedback, um, probably more in football, where, you know, there's a uh, acknowledgement that, you know, yeah, they, they they didn't get it right. And, and uh, you know, there's all the officials both, you know, across the board um, in, in both basketballs and football, they're graded out. So... Uh, you know, it has impacts typically as, as it relates to postseason opportunities. Mike and I have had a couple of really great conversations with Coach Medved and Coach Norvell over the past week. And we talked about the deep challenges that NIL is presenting as they are out and recruiting and particularly in the transfer portal. Um, and basically both of them have said it's getting to a point where we're not even going to be able to compete with P5 schools in the transfer portal. It's just kind of going to these crazy levels, um, even with the green and gold guard, obviously there's a lot that's, that's in his infancy, but, um, you can really kind of hear the the frustration in our coaches' voices about it. I think they are believers in NIL and what it could do for student athletes. But I think the wild, wild West mentality is just, it's just become crazy. Do you fear like, do you fear that this is going to be another element that makes it hard to retain your your great coaches that you've brought in here, people that are at group of five schools might get sick of this kind of these, these uh, inadequacies or this, these disadvantages that we face against P5 schools that can throw this kind of this money out there. Yeah. You know, we're only what uh, 18, 19, 20 months into NIL. So, you know, I, I don't think the the complete picture has been painted yet on what we can expect. Um, I, I think, Every one of our coaches, you know, Nico and Jay would agree that, you know, the, the traditional student athlete experience is, is where they need to keep their focus. You know, students, I think, still are going to be attracted to coaches that care and, and help develop them as, as, as students and athletes. I think students are going to get attracted, you know, attracted to, you know, great teammates and they're going to really enjoy being a part of teams that win. So I think those are, you know, still probably the three most important things that we got to keep our eye on. NIL is is certainly creeping into the recruitment process, which it was never intended to be that. I think you're right. Um, you know, the portal is being heavily influenced by by uh, NIL opportunities. Um, but I think each of the each of our coaches has probably shared with you that if if that's the first thing that's on a, a student's mind, you know, you know what's what's the NIL opportunities look like at Colorado State? They're probably not a kid that's going to thrive here anyway. So. Um, you know, I, I've always felt as, as things have kind of developed and, you know, this, this sort of new era has begun to mature a little bit that, that we need to be, um, in the game, so to speak, you know, we, we need to put every arrow in the quiver for our coaches on how that they, they can manage conversations with prospective students and even our current roster. Right. So, um, you know, I, 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 I have such uh, admiration for for uh, 
John Weber, um, who has been really the prime mover behind the Green and Gold Guard. Uh, he has invested a lot of time and effort in researching, you know, best practices around the country and, and constructed, I think, a, a great framework that uh, gives us a chance to, to have activities in that space, you know, as it relates to a collective. And I think he's doing it with the, the right intentions. And um, he's a pretty altruistic man and really wants to just do what's in the best interest of CSU student athletes and is trying to develop a fair and balanced approach to it. Um, and, and what, you know, what, what he needs most is people to respond, you know, and, and that's what, that's what we need as a department. You know, we need a fan base that rallies around our programs. We need a fan base that doesn't find excuses not to participate at whatever level they feel comfortable. And John needs the same thing with the green and gold guard without resources. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a great front front face that, you know, markets NIL opportunities, but if there's no uh, no support within the collective, then, you know, they're not going to get very far. Um, so, you know, it, it's just one of those moments where, you know, there, there's always been extreme differences. You know, you, you can't tell me that Texas A&M and way, the way they operate their athletics department, the traditions that have built, been built there um, have any relative comparisons to what we've ever been able to do here at Colorado State. And I love everything about CSU, but, you know, there is a level of maturation that's occurred at the, at the A5 level and certainly the top 25% of the A5 level that, that is unmatched by any other program in the G5 or even the bottom half of the A5. So, you know, there's just a reality that, that you know, we have to understand. But having said all of that, you know, that's never going to prevent us from lining up and competing. You know, we, 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 we bring student athletes to this campus that want to excel at every level, that want to challenge themselves at the highest level of competition. And, uh, you know, tell me it wasn't frustrating for Texas A&M when they lost to App State last year, when they probably invested more in NIL and their football roster than anyone else. So it's not, it's, it's not, a, it's not a perfect science. It never will be. Um, there's an art and a nuance to building a team. And I think, you know, Jay and and uh, Nico are, are experts in that realm, and they're going to do a great job for us. And and will they have opportunities beyond? I mean, those opportunities come with success, so they're going to keep their focus here as long as they possibly can. And um, you know, first of all, you got to you got to win enough to gain attention to pivot to another place if that's anyone's intention to do that. So um, you know, nil or no nil, winning is still going to trump all things. So. Well, here that leads us into our first fan submitted question. We had a bunch of good ones that we threw out to the message boards and Twitter. And this one just kind of exemplifies where NIL is at and where college athletics are at right now. But I don't know if you saw this story, but the Florida, uh, this is from Mark in Washington, by the way. He's, he was asking about the Florida quarterback recruit, Jaden Rashada, who had apparently what he thought was a $13 million nil deal uh with uh through florida and their collective and apparently it fell through and now he's asked for his transfer his release from the school so i mean does the ncaa what do they need to get a hold of this craziness right now like in what world is a college quarterback what, what are the services he's providing that equate 13 million dollars like what is he going to possibly do that's worth 13 this this has just become insane what something's got to happen, right? They got to do something to, to kind of curb this and, and 
bring it back to reality, don't they? Uh, Joel, I couldn't, I, I agree with everything you've just said, and it is truly the wild, wild west. And I think there's a lot of um, hyperbole, you know, possibly intermixed within, you know, factual information. I don't know how to dissect those two things. Um, but but if it if it's if it's absolutely accurate reporting, you know, 13 million, I think over four years is what the collective had committed to him. You know, they backed away from that for whatever reason, who knows, um, you, you know, should the NCAA step in front of it? I, you know, I, ideally, yes, but but what's been proven every time and we're, you know, everyone wants to vilify the NCAA, but, you know, it's a membership organization. We are who we are. Um, each of us is, you know, responsible for it. Uh, but every time the NCAA tries to step in front of a fast moving train, you know, which is, um, you know, the, the the wave of litigation that comes whenever we try and control or or, or uh, manage, you know, to, um, you know, some some level of um, competitive equity. You know, we get we get slammed in the courts, right? We get absolutely shellacked when we take it, you know, to the court system. And and I don't know if there's a near-term answer. Um, you know, I think there's some of us that feel like with some level of federal in intervention, there might be opportunities to to control it. But I also think, you know, that <laughs> you know that that. They've sort of, you know, leadership and the NCAA has just decided a little bit, you know, okay, let's see it run wild, run free. Let's see if the train goes off the rails. And then if anyone's willing to step in and help us fix it, great. But if not, let's just keep going as we are. Um, and and it's unfortunate because, you know, it's not a good look for anyone. It's not what college sports was ever intended to be, but it's also what, you know, the, the media and others have kind of driven it to be, right? You know, and ourselves included. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of money in the system and there's been a strong push to try and, you know, move some of that money into, you know, rosters. And, and I get it. I get it. But this, you can't make a career out of being a student athlete. That's the one thing that I just, you know, for me, you know, at some point there's got to be value in the four-year experience that really, truly, I believe, develops young people, puts in a position to be successful post-graduation helps point them and define them in a direction that they want to take their lives beyond sport. And all of that gets no, no airtime any longer. And it's, it's disappointing, but, you know, I get it, you know, society is society and we are who we are and, and we got to live within it. So. Um, I don't envy you in this day and age of sports administration. It seems that there's a lot of challenges. You've definitely had your share of them. So Joe, I, I got to, I got to hop off, um, go pick up my wife from her little procedure. We, uh, you're in good hands with Mike. He's going to finish up. There's a bunch of good questions from our fans. Thanks for being here this morning. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel. See you, buddy. So as you can imagine, uh, a lot of people want to know more about this NIL stuff. A lot of questions on that. And you've done awesome answering it. Uh, Tyler from Fort Collins was kind of wondering, what level of, of NIL support is going to be needed to compete against other Mountain West schools, other major G5 schools, and lower tier uh, A5 schools? Yeah, you know, I, I think 
Mike, the, uh, you know, there, there's, I think there is sound information sort of coming out of the marketplace finally. So we're getting some indication of, of how things have developed. Um, you know, it, it's even beyond NIL, right? So there's, you know, there's Alston dollars. So Alston awards as we refer to them. And, and that's something that's kind of made a round of movement within the A5 level, starting to kind of move and sink in, you know, sink into the G5 space. Uh, but, but um, you know, I think what we what we understand as of now is is um, you know collectives are operating outside the university as they need to be as they should be. Um, they that you know there's there's some discussion I think you know within some thought leader groups uh, the Drake group um, you know some national media. Uh, about you know is is Title IX applicable to you know collective dollars? You know I'm really thankful that the way that John Weber and the people that are supporting um, you know his efforts you know they're trying to take a holistic look across all of our rosters to see what opportunities they can create for our students, both men and women. So I think that's that's a, a good thing. And um, but but you know the the focus obviously I think across the nation has been directed uh, mostly at, at men's basketball and football. Um, and I think what we've learned just by virtue of roster size, you know, it's probably easier to, to, you know, build NIL programming around a men's basketball roster, harder to scale across a football roster just because of the size of a team. So, you know, what's it going to take to compete? Um, you know, I think I think that's still yet an unanswered question because, um, you, you know, not every student is going to really be driven by NIL. And as I mentioned before, you know, I think there's still a, a strong case for, you know, the traditional student athlete experience and getting that right. And then supplementing that experience with Alston and, and NIL. And, you know, what 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 I think we would love to see happen here at CSU is if you're on a full ride, and your um, monthly stipend with room and board, it's about $1,300. And, you know, that the, the housing market here in Fort Collins is, is competitive. You know, it's not, it's not San Diego. It's not some of the other places that, that you know, host university campuses. But, but uh, you know, if you're trying to find a place close to campus, you know, it's, you could be, you know, putting 800 or more dollars into your, your monthly commitment for your lease. And that that takes a big chunk of that monthly stipend out of play for other other direct needs, you know, that a student's going to experience. And, you know, we do a lot to support our students through our nutrition programs, but I think there's still gaps. So what what I what I'd love to see happen over time is that with NIL and possibly some Alston programming, that we can help to fill those gaps for students. And every student's situation is different. Some students might have a, a ton of family support and resources that they can rely upon. Others may come to campus without, you know, much support from, from home because, you know, the, the, the economics of their, of their, uh, you know, uh, family just don't permit a lot of investment in their student and their student athlete experience. So, you know, but we've, we've got to figure out a way to help, you know, make, make this, you know, less of a pressure experience for student, certain student athletes in particular. Um, you know, so if we could find a way to, you know, to support with, you know, a couple hundred extra dollars a month, or in some cases, you know, more than that, you know, that, that'd be great. But I don't, 
I don't think we're a place where a student can expect, you know, a six-figure NIL deal. Maybe we'll develop into that. Maybe we'll have a high-profile student like a, you know, in the future, like a, um, a David Roddy who, you know, who captures the attention of a lot of businesses that want to align with, you know, um, that student's personal brand and, and, you know, they might strike gold, but, but I think for the most case, you know, it, it's, it's more of a supplement to what a, a base level scholarship looks like. And, and hopefully we can get there. And that's, I think that's where, you know, John's trying to take the green and gold guard. And I think for me, that's something that I think everyone in the CSU community could feel comfortable about supporting. It's not, it's not about trying to make a student, you know, bizarrely rich in a, in a couple of years. It's more about trying to help them, you know, have a, a slightly better experience and, and not, not feel so pressured by, you know, the financial burdens that are associated with, you know, being a, a student athlete that, you know, can't, can't really work. And we have students that do work, you know, we have students that find ways to, you know, work on campus, work off campus and break periods and, and even during the school year. So it's, you know, there are financial hardships that, that hopefully NIL and Alston can help uh, alleviate a little bit. All right. <clears throat> Thank you for that. That's <laughs> very complicated. Uh, very complicated in, in our new uh, NCAA environment. So uh, Tyler and Fort Collins uh, wants to know, what's your relationship with incoming CSU President Amy Parsons? Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm really excited about having Amy Parsons as our president. She, uh, you know, I, I I think everyone's probably had a chance to read and absorb, you know, her resume and her experience and the background and the passion that she shares for CSU. But when I onboarded uh, back in April of 2015, she was a part of Tony's cabinet, and uh, so you know, in that capacity and me being the director of athletics, you know, you know, that was a peer group where, you know, we're the leadership team of, of the university and, and Amy at that time was VP for operations and was involved in every aspect of campus and, and very, very supportive of intercollegiate athletics, you know, uh, President Frank at the time relied on Amy heavily for a lot of support around athletics. You know, I think she was instrumental in helping navigate, you know, the decision related to the stadium project and, and even uh, was very helpful as we move forward. You know, she was part of the team that built the relationship with Canvas Credit Union to result in the naming rights, um, you know, opportunity. And, 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 you know, and Canvas wanted something broader so Amy could help, you know, articulate and, and help create that vision. You know, they just, just didn't want to put their name on a stadium. They wanted a comprehensive relationship with a tier one research institution and Amy helped deliver that. So um, I'm excited uh, to have Amy on boarding. You know, I, I talked to her immediately after the decision with, you know, a text thread and uh, had a virtual meeting with her one-on-one -on -one this week already. And and I think she's getting prepared to hit the ground running February 1st when she starts the job. And she wants to be, uh, um, you know, visible around all of our athletic competitions and, and uh, you know, really a part of our, our student athletes' lives. So I'm, ex I'm very, very excited to have her on board. Yeah, that's great to hear. I know uh, my wife, Tracy, worked with her for a long time when she was at CSU as well and loves the hire and very excited about the future. Um, Tyler also wants to know any plans to update the sound system at Moby. I, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's all, all about money and resources, right? Um, we've been, we've been trying to, you know, continue to 
you know, work on the existing system to enhance its operation through the season. I think we've seen a little bit of improvement. Um, you know, I think I think to get what everyone wants, you know, at some point we're going to have to look at a a holistic replacement of the existing system. You know, it's um, don't know exactly how old it is, but I know since I've been here, there's been, you know, new new components inserted, and you know, it's been a a constant effort to try and get it to perform at the highest level possible. Um, so, you know, we we've been talking about, <clears throat> you know, at least doing a, a full study to understand what a what a replacement would cost, you know, probably included in that would be, you know, upgrades of the video elements with the center hunt scoreboard and in other areas where we can, you know, put put uh, LED systems in place to enhance the game day experience. And, you know, when you start talking about those things, it, you know, it can ratchet up pretty quickly into, you know, a, a seven figure, um, you know, mid seven figure investment to do it but but it's important to the fan experience and and we certainly certainly acknowledge that at times it's it's not delivering what any of us want so continuing with moby this is riley from california have, have there been discussions about the lifespan of moby and is there a long-term plan whether it's renovation or whether it's uh building a new facility um, not since I've been here, has there been any serious dialogue of, you know, any, any thoughts about a replacement, you know, that, that's, um, you know, obviously that's a massive undertaking. Um, you know, we, we've, we've got a, a big debt service commitment right now on, on the stadium. Um, you know, shoot, Mike, it's, I'd say the real positive thing about Moby is that it, it's, Unlike Hughes, it, it's been on campus, obviously, for its entire existence. And for that reason, I think the university has always found funds to do all the appropriate investment for deferred maintenance. <clears throat> so the underlying building systems are not at any risk of failure. Um, it's tied into the geothermal field that's underneath a lot of the great green that's providing uh, heating and cooling resources for campus. Um, so, you know, all of that infrastructure was put in place within Moby. Um, for me, from a fan experience perspective, when you're in your seat and you're focused on what's occurring with team teams competing, whether it's volleyball, women's basketball or men's basketball, it is an extraordinary environment where where there are deficiencies is just the the ability of the concourse to serve a fan base that wants to circulate, that they want to get to, to point of sale locations, to buy concessions. And that that's where the pinch points are. That's where, um, you know, there's a sense that the building's not serving people in the way that they want to be served in sort of the modern age of sports um, entertainment and consumption. Uh, so are, are, would there be ways, I think, in the future to, to think about, you know, keep keep the core Moby in place, but but find ways to expand the envelope of the building to to accommodate you know better uh, larger concourses for you know concession access and restrooms and just simple you know flow of of crowd as they navigate the seating bowl. You know, I could see that as a possibility. You know, more likely undertaking than a full replacement. Um, and we've just you know for for team. For the teams, you know, we're we're gonna by the time we finish phase two of Moby, we will have invested probably close to 
12, 13 million dollars in up in upgrades for locker rooms. So, you know, you, you hate to you hate to, you know, if we imploded the building and tried to start over, you know, you know, you hate to see those dollars invested, you know, you know, maybe in 15 years after, you know, we've used those facilities and kind of exhausted them, you know, maybe that's a point where someone, probably not likely me, will think about uh, a full replacement of the building. But, you know, that that's that's that would be a, a massive undertaking and something that would require full, you know, campus and community commitment to do. All right. So Keith asked, uh, do you see the uh, football championships expanding beyond the 12 teams to 16 as has been mentioned lately? Uh, so, so going from 12 to 16, I, I have not heard any conversations about that. Obviously, you know, we're, we're at four right now and marching towards an expansion that would broaden it to 12 teams um, by 2024. And, and Mike, I am, I am really excited, very encouraged by that move. Uh, you know, the way that they're going to populate, you know, the field is, you know, the first six spots go to the six highest ranked conference champions. So obviously that leaves space for one of the G5 champions to, to take that spot. And while we haven't had a recent history of earning Mountain West championships, I think we're on a really good trajectory with Coach Norvell. That's his goal. Um, and ultimately, you know, when, when he and I talked, you know, more than a year ago now, as, as we were, you know, navigating, you know, you know, the opportunity that, that he eventually accepted, you know, that's what he saw. He said, why can't CSU be Cincinnati, you know, and that's Cincinnati making it into, you know, the top four, you know, so my, 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 my question, my comment now, why can't, you know, CSU be Cincinnati and grab that sixth spot? And, and if that happens, that would be transformational. And, and I say that, Mike, you know, we, we've had a mission statement in our department that's been five words to educate, engage, and excel. And we've, we've really thought long and hard about, you know, beyond our mission statement, what's our vision for the department? And, and, and here's what I'm going to tell you. I mean, our, the vision for this athletics department is to enhance the value of every CSU degree by making the college football playoff and putting teams in the NCAA tournament. And that's what we're going to work hard to do on behalf of the entire institution. You know, within our mission, it's the engage piece. But, you know, if we can win and we can make it into the college football playoff, that will elevate the awareness of the brand of CSU in a way that it's never been elevated before. So if that's not a vision that everyone that has an interest in CSU athletics or this university can get behind, then I don't know what we can do to develop a vision that, 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 that wouldn't rally everyone. I mean, every faculty member should understand the value of that. Every fan should understand the value of that. Every graduate should understand the value of that. Every alumnus should understand, or every every student should understand the value of that. Everyone in the community should be able to embrace that. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get everyone in the boat on the same page, you know, pulling the oars to make sure that we can fulfill that vision. All right. So John from Highlands Ranch wants to know, um, we opened up, Moby lot this year for uh, our overnight stay for RVs the night before the game. Any talk about doing it 
the nights of the game or just having that open for all the RV lots so that in case somebody gets a little enjoys the game a little bit too much they don't have to worry about pulling out uh yeah there would be I you know I I you know it took some effort to uh to to get you know what we got this season you know we're, we're not unilateral decision makers here in athletics so it, it took a lot of communication and conversation with um you know some other campus authorities and and certainly you know people within um you know the city of fort collins and and law enforcement you know i, I think that could be you know in my mind a logical next step to to you know offering that opportunity you know it it, it makes sense and you know, I mean, I think it it also rolls into, you know, continuing to build and develop a culture around, you know, college football that that we all want, um, you know. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm when I finish uh, the podcast, I'll go over and talk to to uh, Chris Ferris and we'll talk to Steve Cottingham and see if we can get the ball rolling. There we go. Love it. Love it. So Brian from Arvada wants to know, uh, besides money, what's the one resource you wish that uh, CSU had? Um, golly, that's a great question. I mean, you know, there, 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 there's so much, you know, and, and it's not all about money, you know, I mean, you know, we talk a lot about that as a staff, you know, we, we've become very good at really teasing apart the difference between a need and a want. And, you know, when a coach comes to us with a list of things, I think almost in every case by one or two business or budget cycles, we're able to address whatever we all agree and prioritize as a need. Um, but beyond, beyond, you know, you know, financial resources, you know, I'd love to see in this, you know, the, you know, this is kind of a cheat, right. But, you know, I'd love to see every venue full, you know, I mean, I, I think that, you know, and, and we're not going to give tickets away and that's oftentimes a suggestion and that never works. And, and, you know, doing a deep discount on a ticket never works, but, you know, I'd love to see us develop, you know, compelling teams that bring, you know, full venues to to Moby and to Canvas Stadium, because I, I think that just that just that makes it different for everyone. You know, I mean, it, it makes us feel and look different to prospective students. It makes us feel and look different when we're, you know, competing, uh, makes us feel and look different on television. Uh, and, it, and it quite frankly, it makes the experience better for people that come to the games and and want to invest in tailgating time. And, you know, I mean, when we travel to Iowa and Arkansas and Alabama and Michigan, we get back from those trips and all I hear from people is, wow, that was amazing. And I tell, I think to myself, we could have that on our own scale. We could have that, but it requires, you know, people that are committed right now to help us find others that want to share that same level of commitment. You know, you know, you know more Rams than I do, you know, Ram Nation, has relationships that I'll never have, you know, so, you know, it's just coercing and, and encouraging and, and, you know, and, and not settling for excuses, you know, I mean, you know, we, we, we're, we're doing outreach, we're trying to connect with people. And, and unfortunately, sometimes, you know, we get a stiff arm, you know, people give us the Heisman and it's just like, well, you're a Ram, you know, you want the vision, you say you're a fan, you say you care, but, you know, at some point you got to get motivated and help us. And I know winning teams make a difference. And, you know, I'm not, you know, as I told you before, in AD 101, you, you, you learn the first, the first lesson is winning is better than losing. So, you know, I, I make no mistake that we've got to deliver teams that, 
that have a chance of competing and winning. But, but uh, you know, I mean, it, that, that that would be my answer, you know, just fans and stands would be awesome for everyone. Yeah, you know, that, that Washington State game, that's, I mean, that should be a pair right there. And then that's something I could see that CSU should, should be able to achieve, even because they haven't been having a huge winning product in, in their history, really. So, uh, so I completely feel you on that. I completely agree. Uh, Chris and Severance wants to know uh, marketing and game day planning and operations. How much do you control as an athletic department? How much is outsourced? Uh, it, it's, it's all us. I mean, you know, it's, it's our team, you know, we, we've, you know, Chris Ferris is our executive senior associate AD for external operations. So a lot of, a lot of what fans see flow up to him. Uh, Mark Paquette is our associate AD overseeing um, facilities and event management. You know, and then then we've got partners that we have to align with to help us execute, you know, the experience, whether it's Oakview Group with our all of our Moby and Stadium concession operations. Um, it's a landmark that does our event security. It's it's other partners in the community that provide law enforcement resources. But but, you know, what you see in venue is is all of all of what we've developed in partnership with. Ram Sports Properties, which is, you know, Learfield doing business as our multimedia rights partner. So, you know, we, we put a hand on everything, whether it's promotions, um, you know, certainly all the content that's developed for, you know, all the video boards and ribbon boards and Moby and, and Canvas Stadium. I mean, that's that's all driven from our control center that's housed in Moby Arena. And that's Ben Brune and his team. And you know, all the content capture that we do throughout the week that gets pushed out on social media. You know, there's Kyle Neves who oversees our, our uh, strategic communications and brand enhancement group. I mean, they're, they're you know, you know, Mike Brohard and what he does with all the writing that he pushes out through Ramwire, uh, you know, all of that, you know, our, our one of our guiding principles is, you know, tell our story, grow our family, you know, and we really believe that if we're, if we're good at sharing and telling our story, that's going to help, you know, people feel compelled to be a part of what we're doing. And, and there's great stories being told every day by what our students and staff, our coaches are doing on behalf of CSU. So, so it's important to us. And I, and I, you know, I know, I know, you know, there's probably people that feel like, you know, we could do more, but from a resource perspective, I think we punch well above our weight and we always have, and we always will. All right. So Josh from Broomfield wants to know any uh, potential updates for future football opponents. Uh, no, nothing now. I've I've got a couple conversations that are that are kind of in process. Um, uh, but but nothing to share at this moment. Um, you know, we're we're always going to try and keep the focus on, you know, getting some attractive home and homes, and we're always going to keep the focus on trying to, you know, challenge ourselves with a, you know, guarantee game that's appealing to fans and places where fans want to be. You know, I'll, I'll make one comment about this upcoming schedule. You know, I, I think people need to realize that Middle Tennessee State, you know, obviously they beat us last year. They're a good football team, but if you're looking for an exciting place to go, you know, they're just outside of Nashville. So I know we, you know, we've got Vanderbilt coming up um, and we missed an opportunity, you know, during COVID. But Middle Tennessee, if you if you think it's just, you know, in some 
area that you're, you don't have interest in, I mean, we're going to build some attractive opportunities, you know, for fans around, you know, that trip and, and going to Nashville. So, so circle that one, be a part of it. Yeah. I, I just talking with other fans and, and I know we brought it up on a podcast a few, few weeks ago. I think that's going to be the big, the big road trip for uh, CSU fans. So I think there's, you're, we're going to see a big, a big uh, group of Ram fans out there. Yeah. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, about that, you know, we're still in basketball season, you know, I, I'd love to see people still circle, you know, Las Vegas and the Mountain West tournament and support both our teams when they compete that week. It's, you know, I talked to a lot of people, you know, that are Ram fans that, you know, they, they cycle through Vegas at some point in a calendar year. Why not make that week the week they go? So I went last week. <laughs> so we'll see. On, we'll see on the Mountain West tournament. Um, Roy from Grand Junction. Uh, what was the process of hiring a new volleyball coach, Emily Cohen? Yeah, you know, it's same process that we always go through. You know, we, we put a core nuclear team together within athletics. In this case, it was. Steve Cottingham, who's our deputy AD, and Shalini Shanker, who's our senior associate AD and and uh, senior women's administrator, and uh, you know we we get together and and you know obviously with a retirement like Tom, you know Tom's situation, we knew in advance that that um, you know that he was gonna you know make that decision, and so we had some time to kind of you know, contemplate what we wanted the runway up to you know the search to look like. We we uh, asked Kyle Bowlesby, who runs Bowlesby Sports Associates, to, to support us in that effort. And Kyle's helped us now with several of our uh, Olympic sports searches and is a, is a great resource and a, a great, uh, a, a great uh, you know, uh, person within that space and, and does a remarkable job with he and his team. So we, we kind of started with a you know, a top of a funnel, you know, we started gathering names and ideas, um, you know, self-generated and, and others, you know, contributed and some people self-selected and raised their hands. And, you know, we told Emily from the onset, you know, she'd been, you know, seven years an assistant coach for Tom. And, you know, so we, every day is a job interview, right? So we, we'd been able to observe her, see what she was doing, understand, you know, what her approach was going to be although she'd never had the reins to a program. So that was the one, you know, one unknown for her, but we had a highly competitive candidate pool. So we narrowed the funnel. We did virtual interviews um, uh, and then, and then had campus visits. And at the end of the process, you know, the last person standing was, was Emily. And we were thrilled to have her, um, you know, assume the leadership role of our program. And, and what was really a, an affirming moment was just the team's reaction. I mean, they were, so excited, you know, apprehensive and, and concerned about how the process was going to end. You know, I think they had a sort of a favorite, you know, um, with with Emily because, you know, they, she was very known to them. Uh, but she's going to do a tremendous job and she's hit the ground running with all the thoughts and concepts that she's had that, that she's wanted to apply as a head coach. And and uh, she's going to do great for us. She really will. And now we get a chance to, you know, this summer and into the fall, celebrate Tom's career. You know, he didn't want any attention, you know, given to him, you know, until the season was completed and, and still even, you know, once the focus on, on uh, the team, you know, we've got an upcoming volleyball banquet and, you know, he didn't even want that to be kind of a, a Tom Hilbert focused evening. So we, we're going to have to find other opportunities to celebrate Tom and, 
And I think Tom's going to find really great ways to continue to be supportive of our program. He's proud of what he built here at CSU. And, and uh, he, he, uh, if he could have made the decision unilaterally, I think he would have chosen, made the choice of Emily. So I think, you know, we, we pleased a lot of stakeholder groups, but more importantly, we found a great leader for our program. And already coming through huge, huge recruit with uh, Emory Herman, uh, the setter from Arizona. So it's, it's great seeing that. Great seeing that. So final question. I know both of us are kind of up against it right now. Uh, final question. This is from Chris. Um, what have you learned from the, your three major football leadership decisions, the extension of Mike Bobo, the high, uh, and then eventual firing of him, the hiring of Adazio, and then letting him go, and then the hiring of Norvell? What's been the good, the bad, and the ugly about all this? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, how much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, hiring is not a perfect science. Um, you know, if, if, if people are absolutely transparent, you know, anyone that's making a hiring decision, you know, to some extent, it's, it's a, it's a grand experiment. You know, you just never know exactly how things are going to move and in what direction they're going to take. Um, you know, I onboarded, Mike was hired four months before I started. I, you know, I did make an, a decision to extend him. I think Mike is an awesome coach and I thought he was going to be a, a perfect long-term fit for CSU. Um, you know, and everyone knows, you know, the, the health issues that Mike encountered. And, and I think that was, had a huge impact on, on, you know, the maturation of that roster and what he was trying to do to build culture. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm not going to make any level of apology to that. Mike was a, a, a wonderful person in the way that he helped us navigate, you know, the, the transition and, he is a, a great, great person. And if our fan base has any issues with Mike Bobo, then they don't understand the quality of person that he is and, and what he delivers as a coach. And I'm sorry for that. And I wished it would have worked out because, you know, for my role, my job is to support coaches until, until, and, until a decision is made where I, you know, we have to pivot and make, you know, a leadership change. And in the same case for coach Adazio, you know, I, you know, I, we went to the marketplace. I went to the marketplace with an intentionality to try and find someone that had been a head coach at an A5 level that uh, that I thought when resourced in the way that we could provide resources would make a difference for CSU. And, you know, I think there were some things that, that Steve encountered early in his tenure here at CSU that made it difficult for him to, to advance it forward you know and everyone had to experience COVID but I think we experienced it in a slightly different way than most and so a decision was made to 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 move away from him what what did I learn through both of those experiences you know you, you got to find someone who's a committed culture builder and and puts the full focus on that and I think that's exactly what Jay delivers I think Jay has watched and learned from some really good people and um, has nuanced all of that learning into his own approach and mix, mixed in with a person that has a deep respect for, for all the people that he's going to encounter and, and wants to construct a staff that feels the same way and, and had success at Nevada, you know, unquestionable success at Nevada at a program that, you know, isn't, and isn't resourced in the way that we are. So, you know, I'm really encouraged by what I've seen in his first year and really excited about what's ahead. And, have total faith and confidence in, in Jay's ability to 
to build a program, a championship program. And, and, you know, I, I remind people, you know, and, and again, I mean, people don't like to hear it, you know, we haven't had it since 02, you know, so we, we have, and, and we had it briefly, you know, in the long, long-term history of who CSU and CSU football has been, you know, there's only been one coach that really delivered sustained success. And that was Sonny Lubick. And we've been trying from that moment to, to get back to that. I think Jay's someone that can, can make that happen for us. Joe, I want to thank you uh, for joining us. I mean, it's it's great that you you allow us this opportunity to share to share your thoughts with with you know Ram Nation and all of our listeners. And definitely want to thank Kyle Knees for kind of facilitating this and allowing us access to not only you but you know Coach Norvell and Coach Medved and and all the other student athletes and, and coaches at CSU. Well, Mike, I, I, you know, thank you and Joel and the rest of Nam, Ram Nation. I mean, you know, we, we, we recognize we're, we're only going to be as good as the support we receive and you're, you're a perfect conduit to communicate to our fans. And, and uh, we only hope that we, you know, advance this and move it forward together. So all I have to say now is go Rams and have a great day. <laughs> go Rams. All right. That was our monthly Q and a with, Athletic Director Joe Parker, thank you so much to him for his time spending an hour with us every month. Uh, not a lot of ADs would do that, so quite honestly. Uh, thank you to Mike for taking over as I had to leave. Good job. Appreciate it. I know there were a couple questions that did not make it in due to time. Mike had to cut out. He had 15 seconds before his classes started uh, to go teach, so um, there were a couple questions that did not make it, but we will make sure to ask those again. We'll get your feedback, get your uh, get your input again next month, and get some more questions on board. But thank you again for submitting all those. Thank you for your time and listening to this every week and for all your support. Have a great weekend. Let's go, Rams. I got my grub on, but didn't dig out. Finally got a